You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. It's five o'clock in the morning. You've just pissed on a dumpster. It's Miller time. Oh, he got hit! Look at the finish The return to glory. We will not be intimidated. We will not back down. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Drink and Think with Dak and Dave. Welcome back, Drink and Think Nation. We're excited that you're here. For those of you that are just joining us, this is just where we hang out. It's beer, life, sports, and everything in between. And we're happy that you're here. This is our safe space. And so in our safe space, I'm just going to go ahead and get it out there and say, today was not a good week in the world of football for Odak and Dave. Um, We follow four teams, mine, you know, Arkansas Razorbacks, Buffalo Bills. Dave likes the Aggies and the Cowboys. And we for we are O for freaking four this week. And honestly, three of those games should have fallen in our favor. And it was just a travesty. It's an embarrassment. And my heart is broken. I mean, this is what sports does to you, right? It uh it lifts you up, it looks you in the eye before it slaps you in the face and then throws your, you know, your mouth into the mud. And that's, that's what happens uh, when you're a sports fan. Some people are blessed with having really good teams that are constantly pretty decent. And other people like us are always left on the out. Yeah. And then some people just choose a bandwagon team like Alabama. So, you know, Hey, you're, you're looking out this year. So suck it. Um, But while we're on the mouth in the mud conversation, just to, to kick a man while he's down, I do want to talk about your Aggies. So you are now are officially not bowl eligible. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So setting at three and seven, preseason number six. That is that is bad. And I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on that because I would be madder than a, a pet coon. Is that is that the saying? No. Rat in a tin shit rat in a tin shit house is typically where I go. Okay. There's something about a pet crazier than a pet coon. There you go. All right. So I won't dive into that, but I do want to know your honest opinion on this because of NIL and the transfer portal, specifically the transfer portal here. Do all of these five stars, four stars jump ship? Because I feel like, I feel like this is a very sticky situation where you can flip the script on a program overnight. Now it's not, it takes a year, two years, three years, four years to kind of devolve into we are no longer a good program. With with your entire class that is supposed to be highly recruited and the stuff, could they jump ship? Could that tank Jimbo and AM and put them in the dark ages? Um, I I wouldn't say that quite yet um definitely AM has already lost there's already been i know two five stars that have decommitted from AM, and you know i i don't blame them at all like this was not the what you signed up for this was not the recruiting pitch that you got from 
Jimbo right. and the team. I don't, I don't want to get too alarmist and say, yep, it's all over. You know, you can go back to the days where, you know, we're hoping for a winning season because, you know, we don't want to be too, uh, you know, last year, uh, you know, with a backup quarterback who isn't even starting anymore. You know, we uh, had a great season the year before that. We were on the outs, number five on the outside, looking into the college football playoff. So don't want to get too crazy here. But yeah, it's definitely obviously a huge disappointment. I also don't think that, as I've said before, don't like, don't burn everything down as far as the coaching staff. Yes, we need to, they need to make some changes as far as offensive coordinator. The defense is solid. Defense is absolutely rock solid. I think the one benefit, and Jimbo said this and people kind of took it out of context, they soundbited it was we are losing a lot, but we're also playing a lot of freshmen. In fact, AM is the only team in college in the FBS to play a freshman on every down this season. And that does help because it's not freshmen looking on the sidelines saying, why are they these all losers playing? And I'm sitting on the sidelines. They are getting some playing time. You are going to lose some talent, but it doesn't mean that next year we won't be able to turn it around and have a productive season where you're you're looking at a, a, a decent bowl. But that, that this is 2022. Um, they don't have to wait around anymore. And that's the scary part to me is the perception of it. And being an 18-year-old kid going, I'm not going – three wins next year i'm out of here i will say no I, I i don't disagree with you but i will say that it's not all the grass isn't always greener so who are you going to transfer to you are also the the player that played on that three loss team so while you may be a five star you transferring to another team doesn't mean that you're going to start so and then are you going to so if you're like oh i'll just transfer to georgia you're not going to start. You're going to sit the bench. I'll transfer to Alabama. Same thing. Maybe you can argue, oh, I'll transfer to like a Mississippi State. But if you really want to, like Mississippi State is always going to be a middle tier team. Is it really any different than AM? So I, I, I definitely agree with you. Some people will jump ship. I don't think it'll be every, every ounce of talent that AM has. Well, speaking of jumping ship, um, last week we talked about coaching changes and how Lane Kiffin may go to Auburn. And, you know, I was pretty stern on the fact that I didn't think that was going to happen. And I thought I might be eating my words because there was all kinds of um, news rattling around that was, hey, he visited Auburn and, hey, they're supposed to be an under-the-deal table. And I haven't seen any news in the last day or so about it. Um, but to Ole Miss, their loss now gives LSU the number one spot in the West. Yeah, I I still put this as this is Lane Kiffin the troll, not Lane Kiffin being serious, because you know we've seen obviously Nick Saban and the team they they beat Lane, uh this week or this last weekend, but this is him, I think, trying to encroach onto Nick Saban, Nick Saban's time is over type thing. 
and he's trolling him saying, oh, I'll go to Auburn, arch rival, obviously Iron Bowl, all that stuff. Uh, I I still don't see what you gain from it, especially on a boy. You want to talk, and I, I know Auburn beat AM this last week, but I would definitely, if they said, hey, we'll trade, we'll trade programs with you. Well, you can be Auburn and have the win. Nope. Auburn is in a dumpster fire right now. So I, I am not, I do not want any part of that. Yeah, I I still think it was political. Like, hey. My options are open, guys. Don't forget that. I'm Lane Kiffin. I go where I want, where the money is. So you better remember that, Ole Miss, when it comes to an extension. But I want to go to LSU, though, because now they are a two-loss team who is going to the SEC championship game. So if they upset somehow, by the grace of the good football lords, upset Georgia, does that two-loss LSU team sneak in to the CFP. Yeah, 100%. I think you you have to. And they're really set up where they're ranked right now uh, in the new CFP rankings. They're really set up to do that. So I think 100% if they beat Georgia, it's it's a nightmare scenario for everyone else in the country because that means that there's two SEC teams in the playoff. It's Georgia with one loss in the SEC championship game and it's LSU. Um, where they all stack up, you know, that can be debated, but I don't think there's too much of an argument there. Um, so I, 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 I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, well, let me ask you this. Do you think LSU is number six in the country right now? I mean, they they snuck out a win in Fayetteville against the not great Arkansas team last week. Low scoring game. Didn't look great. I mean, they could go to the SEC championship game and get demolished, which – would answer all the questions there and we won't have to talk about that any further, but I mean, they'd be the first two loss team to ever get in the CFP and they would be snubbing a potential uh, ACC champ in Clemson and UNC who would be one loss or, you know, a one loss non-conference big 10 champ or, yeah, you know, potentially a PAC 12 winner in the, in USC with one loss. So, I mean, that speaks volumes maybe as to what the committee thinks of, the SEC, I just I don't know. You're you're right. It is kind of like a nightmare scenario, and I wouldn't want to be in that room trying to put these teams head to head. Yeah, I think it's really how it's how LSU closes the season, and it's like you can't not let them in, right? So they beat Alabama, they beat Mississippi, Ole Miss, who was in the top ten. And then they go on and beat the number one team in the country. I mean, those are three really quality wins with, yes, they had a bad loss. And again, the committee likes to forget early losses, bad loss against Florida State in the beginning of the season. And they lost against Tennessee, which the committee knows is a very good team. I think there's no way that they keep them out in that scenario. They lost pretty bad to Tennessee as well. And Georgia handle Tennessee pretty easily. So, you know, do you value conference? Do you value strength of schedule? Do you value, you know, the hype going into the end of the year? So uh, I'll pitch this to you then. In that scenario, does no SEC teams get in in that scenario? So you're saying Georgia lost SEC championship game, they're out. Tennessee has, or excuse me, LSU has two lost, they're out. 
Jeez. So then, so then you're saying, okay, Big Ten champ is number one. TCU is number two, assuming that they're both undefeated. Then you're going to take what a one loss ACC champ and a one loss Pac-12 champ. Is that what we're looking at? And no SEC champ teams make it in because I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, and so maybe there's some some bias here, and and maybe even like recency bias for the committee. You know, recency meaning like the last decade plus. I don't see a scenario where there's no SEC team in the college football playoffs. But I don't disagree with you. If you have a one-loss Georgia sitting next to a one-loss Tennessee who are neither SEC champions, how do you stack those two up? Do you give the nod to Tennessee – I mean to uh, Georgia because they have the win pretty handily? I think so. I still think non-conference champion Georgia one-loss will get in. I don't think there's a scenario where Georgia does not go to the CFP this year. Yeah, so then you're saying – the, uh, you know, so then you're saying, so Georgia gets in maybe at number four, LSU doesn't get in. And then that's just a weird, I don't know, that would be a precedent set, right? So you would be snubbing this conference champion for the team that just lost the conference championship game. But, you know, they would have hell with me sitting in the committee room because I don't like the whole, let's look at do you have a conference championship? Do you have this? I mean, at the end of the day, and I've said this at volumes, like I think it is the best four teams. I don't care. You have to take in all considerations. You have to take in the strength of schedule. You have to take in, yes, I did win a, a primetime conference championship game, but you have to take the best four teams. And so, yes, Georgia is one of the top four best teams in the country, hands down. But yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and on that, like TCU, I don't think is one of the best four teams in the country. I probably would take um, a Big Ten champion and a Big Ten one loss over, and maybe even a one loss uh, USC over an undefeated TCU. I think USC with one loss would beat TCU outright. And then, you know, don't forget about the the ACC. Who the hell knows? I don't think they're very good either this year in Clemson uh, with their one loss. They haven't looked stellar, haven't had a great strength of schedule, haven't had a great season. Um, and then I don't know. Oh, Mac Brown and and the Tar Heels. I'm not sure where I stand on them yet. I don't think they're very great either. Yeah, I, it just yeah it it comes into and this may be something that becomes more apparent in years to come is the you know the bias towards conference. So you've got a a good Pac-12, but how long are they going to be good if if you know USC jumps ship? Uh, same thing, ACC. How long will the ACC be good if Clemson jumps ship? Or for certainly we know the Big 12. How long will we really value a Big 12 championship if there's no more Texas and that there's no more OU? I, yeah, I completely agree. And I'm you know, and i not on the committee by any means, and I don't know how they rank that stuff or what they're saying in the, in the room. But you also have to take a team – in my opinion, towards the end of the year versus the beginning of the year. Like, you know, Texas A&M, for example, preseason top six, they were the shit. Arkansas, top 10, they beat a now-ranked Cincinnati. But neither of those teams are caliber to even be considered ranked, much less going to the CFP, right? So those wins mean less towards the end of the year because they're not good football teams. And and I don't know. You can't forget that. Yeah. 
Well, uh, before we just dive straight into football, there has been other things in the world that have been happening other side, other than football. Like and beer? Uh, beer happens on a regular occurrence here at the old Dave household. And uh, today was no different. Uh, but I'm talking about basketball, college basketball to be exact. And Dak is our uh, college basketball authority here on Drink and Think. So I'll pitch it over to you. What are some big takeaways from the early college basketball? I prefer uh, aficionado. Mm. That's what I like to go with. Um, yes, I do love me some college basketball, and the season is here. Um, I'll watch NBA. You know, we keep track of the NBA. We talk about it. We'll talk about it on here from time to time. Uh, much more so than baseball. Maybe, maybe equal to hockey. I don't know where we. Maybe we should rank those one day, but. Um, I do wholeheartedly love NCAA basketball. And so we're at the point this season where it's way too early to know jack shit about shit. But I did get to watch my team last night play. And yes, I will publicly say it. And I've been ridiculed and, oh, you jump on the bandwagon uh, about a thousand times this season. But I am a Duke Blue Devil fan. And so... If you ask me why, I will tell you. It's the first basketball team that I ever watched. Mike Shashevsky is the greatest coach of all time. Uh, R.I.P. From the time, even though he, yeah, even though he isn't career. dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I said it in my head. I'm glad you said it out loud. But um, first basketball team I ever watched. I wanted to be in the army since the time I was like two years old, and I was like, oh, this guy was an army dude and he plays basketball and this was the first team. So it just made sense to me. So I've been following him pretty much my entire life. I'm a huge Duke guy. Uh, unfortunately, they lost last night. Now they're two and one. Uh, they lost in the State Farm Champion Classic to old Grady Dick. Old Grady Dick took them out. Um, That'll but, happen. Yeah. Uh, Side note, there, there, somebody put a post up, and it was like a very reputable – it wasn't Sports Center or anything, but it was like a very reputable um, handle on Instagram. And it was like, Grady Dick grinds hard and long in the win. Over, and it was just like, what the, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, you're just – this is like the easiest target of all time. Like, I laughed out loud at their, their comment that they wrote about it. But, yes, um, they lost, but it's way too early to tell – um, I think my Dukies will be fine. But then there was another big upset when uh, number four Kentucky lost in double overtime to Ole Michigan State. And if you are a follower or a fan of the college basketball, you know you don't fuck with Tom Izzo. He is one of the best college coaches, maybe the best coaches of all time. He's a stud. I always pull for Tom, and he got it done. Also not a big Calabari fan. Never have been, never will be. So – it was a hell of a game, and it was a it was a hell of a win for me. Yeah, um, I am the the quintessential fair weather uh, college basketball fan. I will watch it during March Madness, and that's about it typically because there's just too much other stuff to talk. I mean, we we talked about earlier. We've been on this is day like twenty of nonstop college football and so i just i struggle but not anything else you know unless except for except for college football so uh before we dive back into that thing let's go ahead and talk about some brewskis uh because 
you know, it's like peanut, it's, it's the jelly to our peanut butter when it comes to football, really sports, maybe our life is the old beer. And, uh, so what are you drinking this week and, uh, how is that helping you to think you're on drink and think? Well, it always helps me to think. And so thinking, um, I'm not a huge peanut butter and jelly guy. I grew up a, hmm. a peanut butter and syrup sandwich guy. Is that weird? Is that a thing anywhere else? I don't think so. I've definitely done peanut butter and honey. Uh, I've done that because it's just a healthier thing, uh, more natural sugar than, you know, some like strawberry jelly or whatever. Yeah, but I haven't heard of the uh, peanut butter and syrup. Was it just like straight up syrup? Are we talking maple? Do we throw a little blueberry syrup in there? Or like how are we? No, looking? like, yeah, like that, you know, $1.29 shit off the shelf, like the cabin log syrup, whatever's the cheapest and plainest Jane shit there is. You poke some holes in the bread, let the syrup soak up in it. You're feeling real frisky or froggy. You cut up a little banana and throw it on there. Mm. Uh, I put, put jelly to bed, baby. But. Yeah, um, high fructose corn syrup to the max for sure. So uh, I know that I brought this on a couple weeks ago, but this is same brewery, different beer. So I've got a couple different here from Firestone Brewing Company. Oh, Firestone Walker. So I am, a, as we've talked before, I'm a big hazy IPA guy, big IPA guy really in general. And hasn't always been me, uh, but... You know, I am a, a huge fan. I is think that a, is that a hot reason- in your hand? Yeah, of course it is. Oh my gosh. That's I love that beer, dude. One that's kind of scary that you were able to see that just from like a glimpse of the can. It was but blurry yeah. too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Red flag. But um a couple reasons why I like IPAs just in general. Uh number one, you get a little bit more. It's something that you can savor. It's a little bit more taste to it than you would get from your normal, like uh, just crushable light beer. And then two, your ABV is typically in the area to where that you can get to where you need to go faster. So you don't have to like shotgun like a 12 pack. So now we both have a red flag. Good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that can just match the, I mean, my red flags can run around the block. So um, yeah, so first one from Firestone tonight is Hopnosis. Also, as we've said before, I'm a big fan of uh catchy names, like dad joke names type thing. So we got Hopnosis. Uh it's just a straight up IPA. I think there's some some citra. Oh. Hops in this, as I saw on the the box. So there you go. <laughs> talked about talked about some hops types and uh anyways so yeah so great just quintessential ipa here 6.7 percent hopnosis good name good can way to go firestone walker yeah firestone's i mean it's a it's california company but it's it's making its way around the world and it's got a uh hell of a brewing team and I think they're putting out close to like a hundred thousand barrels a year now, which is like they're moving up into the the big boy leagues. Um, I may have misquoted that, but they're a they, yeah they they rock a lot of as you would say quintessential West Coast kind of beers hopping out of there. And 
I'd be, I was interested to hear you say that there was citra in there. I probably wouldn't have called that just based off knowing the hopnosis beer, but yeah, big Firestone fan as well. Yeah. So I've got three different Firestones here, all of them, uh, IPA. So we have a hazy IPA, Galaxy Shapeshifters. So good can. They got the California Bear on it with the star, which I think is all is on all of their cans, which is kind of cool. It's kind of a a, a constant thing to show you where they're from. Uh, hazy IPA. We got your traditional Hopnosis, which is an IPA. And then the other thing that I'm drinking is the Union Jack IPA, which this is your West Coast style traditional That's- IPA, like straight up and it's it's very similar to the hopnosis, but I think a little bit cleaner, a little bit um, more crisp. But yeah, all three of them. I mean, obviously, Firestone Knocker Walker knows what the hell they're doing, and I'm enjoying what they're doing. So, um, yeah the the Union Jacks. I think it's it's either their flagship. It's at least their probably most popular beer. Um, a little more dank, a little more like uh, piney West Coast. Style. Yeah. Dude, I was I was listening to a podcast the other day to kind of derail on Firestone Walker, and their systems are so advanced now. So to get into a little beer chat, oxidation is bad for beer, right? You leave you leave a beer open, oxygen gets in, makes the beer bad. It's especially bad for IPAs. It will just jack your hop quality character up completely. And so Firestone has this thing. And it's it's above my brewing mind and brewing level here. Like I can't even conceptualize it, but I was listening to the podcast and them trying to describe what they have. And basically what it is is the water they use is reverse osmosis water. So it's basically like nothing else is in there, right? So right. you run it over this kind of cliff thing that drops down. And as it's dropping down, they have this thing at the bottom that's blowing CO2 up. And so the CO2 is going to take any extra oxygen out of said water. So when the water reaches the collecting tank, it is basically 0%, 0.00% oxygen in that water, right? But just to think about like the, the mechanism and all the details and intricacies that go into making beer like that, like we just slam beers and you're like, wow, that, that IPA is hoppy. Hell yeah. Love it. Union Jack. Get right. But like they have a system that pushes co2 through the water to remove any oxygen like it's just bananas so good on them i mean that's why they're known and that's why we're talking about on this podcast because they they do it right so uh we'll take my uh relatively neanderthal analysis of beer which is just taste good i drink make feel good and then let's go over to dak and let's do a little breakdown what are you drinking all right, I have not tried this yet, so I'm going to give kind of a, a live interpretation of this beer. This is a New Province Brewing Company uh, out of Arkansas. I just went to their brewery, sadly, for the first time the other day. Um, they're more of a distributor. They're not a huge tap room, but it was super cool. We were the the only two people in there. And uh, so it was like, hey, you want to try this? You want to try this? Dude told us we could walk around the brewery. Like it was a great experience. And so I got to talk to a brewer and, and whatnot. And uh, they didn't have this at the brewery, but I picked it up yesterday. And so this is a blackberry cobbler, uh, sour ale with blackberries. And, you know, I, I love sour ales. I love tart beers. And so let's give this a, a go. 
Okay, that legitimately tastes or smells like freaking blueberry cobbler, like grandma made kind of shit. Oh my god! All right, pause for effect. How's the mouth feel, Dak? It's uh quite wonderful. Oh my god, dude, this beer is good. Okay, so right off the bat, I'm getting some. I mean, you could tell it's a sour, right? It's a tart ale. It starts off very blackberry, very tart, but then right in the middle, it hits you with some vanilla. It's almost like a, like a pillow of vanilla right there in the middle. So what would you say as, as a brewery, what delineates how the difference between making a sour versus making your traditional beer? Okay. Good question. So the, I mean, the difference between like a beer and a sour is what ferments said beer. So the beer you're drinking right now is made from a very long line of yeast versus this sour beer. And uh, Americans are very known for their sours. So this is a wild yeast or a wild bacteria that ferments this beer. So it's not something that you pour in. We know the strain. It's kind of like, hey, whatever gets in there kind of gets in there sometimes. And so with a sour, there's usually three known or at least three most popular types that get into making the sour beers um the first two are the bacteria and the, the strains of those are called lactobacillus or pediococcus hold your tongue pediococcus. Boy, I, hope, I hope somebody doesn't clip that out otherwise we're going to be in trouble all right continue all right so bacteria known as lactobacillus or pediococcus and then you also have a wild yeast that gets in there that they use called Britannomyces. So the difference being they're wild and unlike 99% of beers, this is bacteria. Okay. All right. So continue. So we got some vanilla. We got definitely got blackberry. Um, by the yeah, way, so if, a- if New Providence, if you want to sponsor the Drink of the Drink podcast or, you know, in any way contribute your delectables to, our degeneracy please do so yeah they don't even have to like sponsor us with like an ad on the podcast it's like hey we're gonna give you one beer a week to talk about like that that would be hey we made done it. yeah yeah done uh hey that's a that's a, a real possibility talk to the head brewer and then like a secondary brewer i may follow up on that that's why you're the brains baby hey um, i'm in a 94 on that test today all right there you go all right, so right there in the middle, we kind of get that vanilla, but then it almost kind of warms you. You know, have you have ever had a beer that's like warming? It's not like heavy alcohol, like you just drank like a shot kind of warming, but it's just kind of like a soothing warm. But it, like a sip of whiskey, not like a shot, but maybe like a sip of something. Is that kind of the feeling? Yes, yes. It's it's uh, it doesn't like oh my god, my my gastro reflux is coming up the old gird's getting me kind of burning but it's just like a kind of a warming sensation so yeah maybe like a sip yeah sip of scotch sip, sip of whiskey um but it tastes it's attached to that vanilla so that vanilla is kind of that sweet backening there but it kind of warms you up and then at the end it kind of hits you with that tartness and then lingers for you know five ten seconds and then you go wow right back on it so this is a six percenter dude and it's already halfway gone just running my lips talking to you about it this is a phenomenal beer you could say i don't know rate it from zero to five 
If there what were only a system, be? uh, I dude, this this is a four two five, maybe a four five beer for me. This is stellar. Thanks, New Province, for uh, Blackberry Cobbler. At some point, I'll have to get me one of those. And uh, again, if you ever want to be in the podcast or if you have any thoughts about college football, let us know. <laughs> all right. Speaking of, um, I think we hit all of last week. Let's get into this week. What games are we looking at? So at first glance, people are going to say, man, what a disappointment. College football. But you got to remember, this is the this is the prelude to what will be an, an absolutely engorged slate. Jeez. Next week. So, um, but there are still some uh, two really good games this week, for sure. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is, and this is not one of the really good games, and that's Bedlam, right? But this year is the first year and and really what i can remember where bedlam really doesn't mean a whole lot like neither are going to make the big 12 championship neither are going to vie for a college football playoff neither are really going to look for a really great bowl game so it's kind of a oh bedlam's this week which is an anomaly as i can remember it yeah, we're going to watch this week because of the rivalry and because of the name and the teams that are there and, and the fact that they hate each other. But, yeah, um, OU is not good. And as it pains me to say, I was high on Okie State. They're not good either. Um, all right, so what's crazy to me is the line here. They've got seven and a half to Oklahoma, okay, albeit they're in Norman. Oklahoma's not good. And, you know – Okie State's not great either, but I think they have a much better football program this year. Uh, they've they've had some decent wins. They've looked like a good football program. They had a chance to run for the Big Twelve championship uh, early on. Seven and a half. Are are you completely relying on that being a rivalry game in Norman? I just do not see Oklahoma winning by more than a touchdown. I am going to put quite the dollars probably 10 on Okie State here. I mean, seven and a half is a, a, a shit ton, man. And then, you know, 65 and a half over under. I'll let you speak that because that scares the shit out of me. Yeah, this this one's this one's a little, unless, you know, Vegas is tracking something we're not. I'm not tracking, like, probably anyone sitting out this game or anything like that. But over a touchdown, now, granted, I think – Again, going back to your point that you've made previously is we rely on historical context. And historical context is Oklahoma right. demolishes Okie State in Bedlam. The numbers are not even close as far as the rivalry grows. However, however, Okie or Oklahoma is three and seven against the spread. This year, Okie State is above 500, six and four. The money and the bets are 70% in favor of Okie State getting it done, including some people on the money line here. I, I, I don't, th- I think this is Vegas looking at history, not looking at what it is today. Yeah, I'm going to go bet money line like Tom Meow, actually. 
I, I don't see that happening. I think that's a solid bit. Not my bet of the week. Uh, but in my research, I did not see. I think the line may have been a little less early on, and I think it grew, which is maybe why I didn't uh, flag to me. But that touchdown and a hook is a big deal. That's a game changer for me. Yeah, I, the yeah, hook, the hook for sure. The hook for sure. And again, history says Oklahoma wins this game pretty handily. But this year may be an anomaly for OU. As we've already talked about with Brett Venables, kind of on the hot seat, pseudo hot seat there. Um, may get interesting. So we'll transition from what could have been a great game to what is, I think, the game of the week. And that's USC at UCLA. US, UCLA catching two and a half points at home with the over under damn near 60, or excuse me, 77 points. So a couple key points with this, right? So a lot of people have made a lot of noise about how Pac-12 doesn't show up for their teams, specifically in the LA area. And it's not just the Pac-12. The LA Rams are fucking struggling over there to pack their own stadium. And UCLA isn't really helping their case here because they came out and said that they're going to have a record-setting number of Bruin students in the fan in the stadium on Saturday. Sixteen thousand. I just want to put that in perspective for you because not to toot my own horn here, but the average number of A and M students that show up to the game sits hovers right around thirty thousand. So. You're not really, I know UCLA, you guys are fancy. You're doing a lot of crazy shit over there, but 16,000 is all we got. I, Yeah, I'm kind of astonished by that number. I definitely thought it, especially to be record setting of all the, the historic games and the, you know, the program's legacy, that's the number all time. That, damn. Why is this game important though? Because it's the upset, right? If UCLA can knock USC out of any chances of going to the CFP, right? So you make USC a two-loss team, it's it's game over. Um, and and two and a half, honestly, that, that's kind of surprising to me. I've I've even seen one and a half on a couple of uh, a couple of sports books. I I think UCLA had their chance, but I don't know that they're the caliber team that USC is. Well, I'll tell you right now that this is uh, this is a tough one because Vegas, or at least the money, seems to be decently in favor of UCLA. So right now we're looking at, and the total, by the way, is just, again, you got to love these totals, right? We're saying 11 touchdowns between the two of them. The bets and the money are about 60%, 60 plus percent on the UCLA side, whereas money line is very much straight on uh, USC. So uh, I think I think this is probably one of those you might want to stay away from or just ride the over and just say there's going to be no defense ever. 76 and a half points scares the absolute shit out of me to bet an over. I granted, got it. Pac-12. Still, I don't know that I can touch that. Uh, which is which kind of foreshadowing into my bet of the week, but we'll save that for a minute. 
Um, who will they play in the Pac-12 championship on the other side? Is it the, probably the winner of Utah, Oregon? So we don't know yet. There's still a lot of things that, that have to kind of be hammered out. It could be Oregon. This could be a, a relatively easy matchup. If Oregon catches another loss against Utah, Utah could sneak in with two losses. So it's still kind of in flux there, and they don't know on one side, north or the south, who's going to make it. Boy, the ACC right now, Clemson and UNC are screaming for UCLA to upset USC here because that would potentially, well, I won't say it guaranteed them a lock into the CFP, you know, back to our 15 other conversations about do you value the conference champion winner or not, but this would put the Pac-12 essentially out of contention for CFP. Correct, correct. You're, you're removing another variable of who could potentially argue with this. So they already know they're going to have the whoever is the one loss in the Big Ten. They're already going to have Tennessee. They don't want to contend with another Pac-12 champion, so they definitely want UCLA to win here. This week, go ahead and set your clocks back to Pacific time because Utah at Oregon – Oregon trying to bounce back from losing against Washington as a favorite and then trying to bounce back against a tough or Utah team. Could get interesting. Yeah, so naturally I will make the first half and then probably fall asleep during the halftime presentation because that's just how we roll here uh, in Eastern and Central time zones. Um. That was a hell of a game, man. I did actually stay up and watch that entire game. That was a good one. And I, you know, we were pretty sold on Bo Nix early. And then he was looking studly. Like, I was like, hey, is this dude going to be in the Heisman talk? Is is Oregon going to vie for a spot in the CFP? Doesn't look like it's going to happen. And then on the flip side, I feel like Utah's kind of ran under the radar. We haven't talked about him a bunch. Not a lot of... Uh, big highlights, but they're a two-loss team that's now number 10 in the country, and it's like, whoa, holy shit, where did they come from? Yeah, this this was a Utah team that everyone wrote off right week one. They lose to Florida in the swamp, and everyone's like, eh, they're done. You know, forget about them. They lose against at home. They lose away to UCLA, but you're right. They win against USC. They're the one win that USC is lacking to lock them into the college football playoff. And since then, they have been dominating teams. So coming into this game, Oregon's got to be careful. So here's here's what I'm looking forward to in the 12-team playoff. You can rely less on the actual number of losses, and you can look at the total package, right? Week one in the swamp, that's a toss-up game. Nobody knows anything about their program yet. They have not set into their ways yet. Um, Florida's not a good football team, and I think if they played again today, Utah would probably wipe them off the field. And so with that 12-team setup, maybe they can look and go, okay, that was a wash. We don't really care about that game. But in today's setting, you're not going to get in as a two-loss team, you know, barring the shenanigans of LSU here. Right. Right. So, you know, this is where, you know, Utah really has the chance to play spoiler. Right. So Oregon 
had a tough loss, as we said last week. Did they bounce back? Um, Vegas says maybe not, uh, but it's very close. The line is very close between the numbers, uh, both bets and dollars. So I'm I'm going to stay away from this one. I think this one's too close to call. Again, this is the one that it starts at I think 9:30. So we'll watch for the first half, and then at, at some point we'll have to we'll have to clock out because we just can't hang on. Do you want to Do you want to talk the the last game? Because it's going to hurt my feelings. Okay, so Ole Miss coming off of a tough loss against Alabama, where they covered the spread, right? So as the adage goes, good teams win, great teams cover. Ole Miss covers a spread, obviously catch a loss, and then they're going to Arkansas, which is a team that we know pass defense-wise struggles. Now, against LSU, did a great job pressuring the quarterback. Defense was phenomenal. And I'd... There, there's always the question of is is KJ going to be back? Like, is he going to be able to start for this game? I don't know. Like, no one can. I, I haven't heard one way or another, and that's going to be obviously a huge player. I will tell you that the money is wholeheartedly three quarters of the money is on Ole Miss to uh, cover yeah. the spread here. Yeah, I, I don't like it either. I will say this. Um, I think KJ will be back. Point one. Point two. It's only two and a half to Arkansas, or plus two and a half to Arkansas, because they're in Fayetteville, and because this is like one of those pseudo rivalry games where Ole Miss and Arkansas, every year in recent memory, is an is a phenomenal game. It is fifty something to fifty something. It is down to the wire last minute. It is a hell of a football game. And so I think that's why Vegas is only at two and a half. Uh, I think Ole Miss, you know, just statistically looking is probably a, a much superior football team here. But weird shit happens when these two teams play. Yeah, that, you know, that's probably why the total opened at 59 and a half and is already up to 64 with – 98% of the money taking the over. I love it. Let's go. Yeah. Let it ride. So uh, we will ride from the college football into if you if you had in previous weeks been thinking, gosh, college football, you know, it's such a it's such a huge weekend, and then we get into the NFL, and then it's really just a crapshoot. Sometimes we come out really good. Sometimes we have great games, like Buffalo Vikings last week, and sometimes we fall flat. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You have to. And I'll call us out. We really did not get into that game very deep last week on the podcast. I don't know. We just kind of breezed past it. Um, Holy absolute hell, what a football game. Game of the week, maybe the game of the season, and a lot of weird stuff happening there. Um, man, another again, another heartbreak for me. The the fumble in the end zone, bananas. The catches back and forth between freaking Diggs and Jefferson. Jefferson is a absolute freak. Yeah, I, there's a there's a ton to unpack here. Because you could go into like the, oh, 
you should just take a safety and then you should just punt it or whatever. That, but that is that is an overshadowing of the fact that Justin Jefferson's catch on a fourth and 18, I believe it was, it will go down as one of the greatest catches in NFL history. He, yeah. with one hand, took it out of the two hands of a really good NFL cornerback with, and I mean, that is just, you can't get away from it. It is just phenomenal. I mean, it gets to like the OBJ catch in the end zone. It's at that level. He started all that. Now we're seeing like one handed catches and we're just like, Oh, Hey, another cool catch. Dude, that is freakishly unreal that someone can do that. And specifically here, like you said, two hands against one and I uh, defied physics, how he pulled that down, pinned it. And then, kept that as a possession catch of the year maybe the best catch i've seen in recent memory um but yeah uh, jo- josh allen hey, still a stud man but he's made two bad picks in the red zone now that's cost to cost the bill some games they're not out of it though they're six and three they'll be all right. but in it but in a tough division right they're in a tough division now the dolphins who everyone pretty much wrote off at the beginning of the season or not wrote off but did not think i mean everyone had the super bowl favorites right were the buffalo bills and now they're not leading in their division still plenty of opportunities to get there but it's it's certainly you would think that all the pieces are there right you got the defense you went out and got some other players to rush the passer but sometimes you're going to come up against freaks like justin jefferson and you know Sometimes he doesn't, the ball doesn't bounce your way, but that's the way it works. And it was great football for America to watch. Dude, we, we may see like on both conferences here, like all of the East getting in. It's kind of weird. Like the East is absolutely stacked right now. I mean, even the commanders going back to 500 and right. then, and then the bills sitting at six and three, the Pats are at five and four. Don't count them out. I mean, the the East, weird, weird stuff. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's going to be definitely something that will keep things interesting. No one is running away with their division, which I think is great. Um, it's great, great for us to watch. You know, we can, as we have talked about, we can talk about how, uh, you know, the – Thursday night football games. We got two teams with losing records like freaking 10 of 11 times so far. But, you know, we, we're, we're starting to catch some pretty good football, and I think it's going to improve. But yes. this week, we're going to get back to some hard-nosed football. We're going to get back to some backyard bullshit football with probably two to three feet of snow up there in Buffalo. Talk to me Dude. about the game this weekend. This is the part of the show where Dak and Dave are going to break down a really great game of football in the snow. What an awesome sight it was going to be until the NFL decided that they're a bunch of babies and they needed to move it indoors because it was too cold in Buffalo, New York. Shame on you, NFL. Shame on you. Uh, So let's get into our locks of the week. So... um, my lock of the week, which we didn't hit on during college football, and we alluded to a little bit, is TCU Baylor. 
TCU getting less than a field goal at Baylor. And again, this is, I think Vegas has faded TCU two weeks in a row, right? TCU was, and you had them last week going into Texas, come out with the outright win. Now they're going to Baylor. Baylor is not the team that we remember, you know, David Aranda, good coach. This is not his year. And uh, I think, I think TCU only catching a kitchen less than a field goal. I think they get it done, especially with all of the things that are on the line, knowing they have to win out. All right. So I'm going to stay with you in the college football realm. Um, To me, my lock of the week this week is Iowa, Minnesota. I'm going Mm. to take the over here. What is the over? The over is a remarkable 32 and a half. Love it. And this is why. This is why. Yes, Iowa went like half their freaking season without scoring a damn touchdown. We know they're not putting up points. Minnesota, however, has won some games with 30 points plus. Bottom line, if you get a line that's 32 and a half in college football, you bet the over. Because weird shit happens in college football. Teams will move into four-minute, two-minute offenses. They're going to throw the ball. They're going to they're going to do what they can to stay in there. If it's a tight game, 32 and a half, take the over every time. So I, I'm feeling pretty good about this lock. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold this one tight. 32 and a half all day, baby. I just just to just double check and just to back you up, I checked the weather to make sure this isn't another snowball. It will be a breezy and clear 17 degrees for a high on Saturday. So you can throw the ball around. Like it's not, there's not going to be, it's not going to be shit and snow all over you. So I love it. I love it. Just, you know, PJ Fleck and the offense, they get it done. They get, they put some points up. I like it. All right. So closing it out, you know, we're here for the people. We're here for Drink and Think Nation. And we don't want to we don't want to leave you going through week just floundering. You've got some good picks, you got some ways to make money, but you need some wisdom. So, Dak, give me your safety brief for the weekend. All right. Some get it, some don't. 15 minutes of fame. If it shines on you, take advantage. And uh, old Jeff Saturday, man, he is taking advantage. Maybe not the guy that should have been there, but, hey, he's 1-0. And when you're in that situation and you're in the spotlight, you know, remember where you come from and bring those along with you that you think are deserving. And so the old specialist assistant quarterback coach, Parks Frazier took over as the offensive play caller for the Colts in their win against the Raiders. Just bring your boys with you. Let it ride. Send that shit. And when you're in the spotlight, man, have fun with it and shoot your shot. So just remember that as you're going into uh, next week. And, you know, hope you had a good uh, night, day, whatever, listening to us. We had fun recording. So see you next week. Any final thoughts? Hey. Drink a Thinking Nation, 
we we ride ah no that's no never mind but played out played out th- thanks for thanks for joining us hope you had fun you know, we'll see you next week i just said that peace <laughs>